Hello, listeners. Welcome to another Primary Health Network podcast session. Uh, today, I'm joined by my good friend, Judd Mellinger Blauch from the Pennsylvania Primary Care Career Center. I invited Judd to come and talk to us today about recruitment uh, in uh, health centers, federally qualified health centers. Welcome, Judd. Thank you, George. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you. Thanks. So, um, Judd, things have really uh, been turned upside down uh, in 2020 uh, due to the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. Interested in your perspective on how the pandemic has affected uh, recruitment efforts in general? Well, I think in general, I haven't seen that huge of an impact, particularly when you compare the impact on recruiting as compared to everything else, which has been just total changes in how healthcare is delivered and, and the emphasis being put on infection control and all that. So recruitment, by comparison, recruitment has, I don't think it's been affected that much. You might be seeing the impact of the pandemic further down the road. By that, I mean people who originally might have thought about a career in healthcare might be giving it some second thoughts now when they see uh, the kind of work that was necessary uh, and with the surge coming, it might be, again, you might have these, you know, having these hot spots. That might give some people some pause. On the other hand, it may attract a more dedicated group of people. I think the key in this whole thing is to make sure that the message continues to get out there that healthcare is a great career opportunity, great great career option, um, that being a physician, although it's hard to become a physician, it's an extremely worthwhile uh, endeavor, and uh, that it, you know that's a great profession to get into, whether you're a physician, a dentist, nurse practitioner, uh, or whatever profession you're talking about, it's, it's worth getting into. And we need to continue to get that message out that people are, you know, people are safe, uh, people are, you know, there's risk, but but we're doing what's necessary to be safe and that we need more these folks now more than ever. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so here at Primary Health Network, one of the things that I have been very fortunate with the support of our board of directors and our management team um, and federal agencies that oversee uh, community health centers is that, you know, my top priority since March has been to uh, assure the integrity and safety of the health center. Uh, not only a safe place for patients to come to receive care, but a safe place for our staff, our providers uh, to come to work. And we have really pulled together, and I'm very, very comfortable and very confident that uh, our health centers are absolutely a safe place to receive care. Now, you know, obviously, um, we've kind of had to begin to rapidly rethink the way that we deliver care. And I know that here at Primary Health Network and at many other health centers, telehealth has become, you know, sort of much more prevalent right. than previously. And in your experience, have you heard that, you know, that now that telehealth is becoming a little bit more widespread and more readily uh, adopted, right. is that being seen as a positive or a negative thing or neutral? I, I think it's overall, it's been, it's been positive, particularly with telepsych and with some of the uh, check-ins that you do that physicians and, and nurse practitioners, primary care do, and, and behavioral health, you're, you're, you're checking in with patients, you're, you're able to do things like, you know, people can be equipped with blood pressure cuffs in their homes and do that sort of thing where you can, you know, you can do that quick check-in. And I know it's been, it's what I've, what I've heard from folks like you and all over Pennsylvania and really all over the country, is that it's really dropped the no-show rates. And so 
I, I know that that is something that probably eats at, at doctors and nurses and so forth and, nurse, and community health centers when people don't show up for those appointments and you know they need to be there. Somebody who's a, you know, a chronic diabetic who really needs that ongoing care doesn't show up for an appointment and sure you've got a little space in your day, but it's not a good feeling probably to, to have that. And so that is dropping those no-show rates and you're making those contacts. I think I have seen some more people saying, uh, like, like family physicians and people coming out of residency that they're really interested in, in jobs where uh, telehealth is going to be part of it and they can work from home. They're looking for that quality of life. And I think that's great. My, the negative I was going to talk about is I hope that we're not going to get to the point where, where we think we can deliver healthcare without touching people, without actually being in the room with people, without actually laying our hands. I'm not a physician, but without you laying your hands on people and really, you know, that sense of touch and that sense of, of professional intimacy that comes with, with delivering healthcare. Um, that's my concern with a younger generation comes along and, and thinks, oh, but that's not quite as necessary. And I think that would be really detrimental to health. And I think we need to, again, we need to keep getting that message through to people that this is certainly a tool, but it's not intended to solve everything. And also in rural areas, we, we've got to continue to work on broadband issues. And I mean, this is, it's not hard to deliver telehealth in the, in the city because, you know, Wi-Fi and broadband are, are very present. Overall, I, don't, I haven't seen a huge impact, but it's, there's definitely, uh, definitely is a lot more interest in it than there used to be. Well, certainly, you know, I know your area of expertise is, you know, in the primary care world. And you know, one of the things that we have experienced at Primary Health Network throughout 2020 in, in relationship to the pandemic is um, the increased need for access for behavioral health services. And our organization is obviously uh, working very hard to uh, continue to recruit um, behavioral health providers, uh, social workers, therapists, psychiatrists, psychiatric mental health nurse practitioners. But um, I also know that the vast majority of Pennsylvanians and Americans uh, who have concerns related to anxiety and depression and stressors related to COVID are not seen by a behavioral health provider, but are actually cared for by a primary care provider. And uh, one of the things that telehealth has afforded us the opportunity to do is to link uh, a patient, uh, an individual with whom we're having an encounter. If the primary care provider diagnoses, recognizes, screens, identifies that the person would benefit from, you know, maybe talking to a counselor or a therapist, uh, we actually um, give a warm handoff. That therapy session can begin right away, you know. Right. And, right. Uh, I think that's been an example of some of the things that we've um, been able to adapt to the circumstances that we've been dealt and, uh, you know, make, you know, make the best of a situation. And um, actually now we're, we're actually really able to provide much more creative uh, solutions to these types of problems. So that's great. Been very fortunate. So, so uh, if someone is interested in, 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 in a career in primary care, a career at a community health center, federally qualified health center, uh, coming to work in, in rural parts of Pennsylvania or other rural areas. What's the process? What happens now? Uh, you know, they, they express an interest and then what? Well, um, there's a variety of, of ways to go. And there's so many different careers in healthcare that somebody may, you know, you may have some you know, on a local level who doesn't want to do four years of college and four years of medical school and, and, and all that. 
they just want to get get to work and so they can become a medical assistant or they can get, go and, and get that kind of training at a local on a local level uh, and really have an impact and get their feet in and then they get the toes in the water and then maybe they decide to go on and become a nurse become a doctor become a dentist whatever but really the process is I, you know it, we encourage people to make contact with a local community health center go and, and talk to a professional go and, and meet some people and people can contact me um, we're, we're working on pipeline issues uh, when we say pipeline I mean getting getting young people into the healthcare profession pipeline and learn about these healthcare professions there's a variety of ways to do that there's area health education centers that can help you learn about these things and the educational components of becoming um, everything from you know from a, a, a neurosurgeon which takes you know four years of college, four years of medical school, and six years of residency um, to uh, becoming a medical assistant, uh, which takes about a nine, which is oftentimes about a nine-month training program. And so there's a variety of, and everything in between there. And so I would encourage people to do to, to find out what the educational requirements are, and then also to really learn about uh, what's required in the job because every job's different. And I would really also encourage people who are currently in uh, training for to be a doctor or a dentist to really explore uh, rural medicine and rural dentistry and rural behavioral health and community health centers in general. Uh, you know, I talk to people all the time who uh, are astounded that we're a well-kept secret, George, and you know that, and we shouldn't be. But when I talk to them about what we do, I talk to them about the kind of care that's provided. I talk to them about opportunity for people in on the medical side to refer to dental and behavioral health and people on the dental side to recur, you know, refer patient to, to a physician when they need to see a physician and, and that opportunity. It's the purest form of primary care I can think of. And uh, so I would encourage uh, student nurse practitioners, student dentists, student uh, physicians to really consider a career in community health because um, it's very rewarding that the patients you're not going to find a more appreciative group of patients anywhere. And uh, really, you, you're, the autonomy the, the, and the pay is decent, you know, the, the opportunity for loan repayment. So, um, you know, I, when I talk to people, I, you know, they're astounded by what's available. And, uh, and um, I don't know why we're such a well-kept secret, but we are. Yeah. So, I, and I know certainly from my own perspective that I've had a little bit of an influence or a little bit of an impact uh, to help provide care to individuals who maybe haven't had the same advantages in their life that I've had, or uh, you know, folks that live in, in in rural communities and don't have necessarily the ability to get into the city for a tertiary, you know, at a tertiary center. We actually are providing the right care at the right place at the right time and good quality care. For me, it's been extremely, extremely rewarding. So. Yep. Judd, I, I would be remiss if I didn't thank you for all of the support that you and the Primary Care Career Center uh, have provided to health centers in the state of Pennsylvania, Primary Health Network, and, and to me. And uh, again, uh, this is another example of how working together and collaborating, you know, we can really uh, accomplish really great things. And it's, uh, it's, always, it's always great to, to spend time with you. Thank you, Judd. Thank you, George. And so listeners, uh, if you have any interest uh, in talking about, uh, you know, working in rural parts of Pennsylvania, find out more what it's like uh, to uh, be involved with a community health center in your community uh, or with Primary Health Network, 
uh, we will provide additional information to you on how you can get in touch with us. Thanks for your time. Please take care, everybody. Thanks, John. You're welcome. Bye-bye.